we teach technique. We probably start with the grip. So just trying to get the kids holding the ball correctly. I don't really have a footy behind me, but it's just like, you know, getting your grip, getting your fingers spread out wide, hiding, holding the side of the ball, you know, getting just really simple things, yeah, getting your hips, shoulders facing where you want to go, getting that nice long arms, not dropping the ball from a high, high spot, trying to get dropped below your hip. And this is a repetition. It's not going to happen overnight. Parents listening for their kids, but it's just repetition. And then try to hit that, you know, that laces of your, of your boot, nice strong foot. And, and then just practicing it. And then, like I said, we, we bring out the tennis balls, which is a really good one too. If parents listening, get a tennis ball. Just try and get your kid to kick a tennis ball. Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6 p.m. where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm your host. And today my guest is James O'Connor, also known as Jock, the football coach. We're going to be discussing why you should coach footy. So for any parents out there that used to play and you've still got a competitive edge about you and yet your body may be a little bit run down, but you want to get out on the weekend and and help the local team, then make sure to stay engaged with this episode. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can use the chat box to send in some questions for for Jock, but also for football coaches coaching at the level as well, juniors, seniors, men's, women's, this will be a highly engaging episode. So stay involved. And then we'll also ask ask Jock some questions around how to get better at football as well, so for the athletes. But before we start this episode, for those new to the podcast, our mission here at Propel Like a Pro is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. So if you like the show, please show support by following us on Instagram and subscribing to the podcast run all your favorite podcast apps. But welcome, Jock. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Let's dive into the beginning of your career. You mentioned off air that you started the footy coach a couple of years ago, but when did you first start football coaching and, and making that shift from yeah, playing to, to coaching? Yeah, thanks, Jack. Yeah, I got into coaching not long, pretty much simultaneously as I started the footy coach, I got down some youth coaching here in Geelong and I just sort of felt there was a lack of uh, the resources out there to really help you with your coaching journey and, you know, it's a pretty daunting experience, you know, when you played football and I didn't play at a high level, at a community level, but didn't play AFL or anything and I just sort of felt like you needed more resources to educate myself and equip myself with the, the right skills and particular drills for training to make it really enjoyable for the kids and 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 players I was coaching and make it yeah you know, make myself a good coach in a in a quicker time frame than what it normally takes. So so in the end, I end up starting a podcast, a bit similar to this, called the Footy Coach, which we're lucky enough to have yourself on a few weeks, so a couple months ago. And I've interviewed you know eighty five plus episodes now with some you know AFL guns like Paul Ruse and Craig McRae and Mick Moldhouse and so forth, and and got their advice on coaching on a whole range of you know different topics within coaching and then playing footy and. Um, and it just sort of, sort of just progressed since then. So then we went on and done a newsletter and then we created like a membership for coaches to join up into. So where we do like a whole range of a library of drills and skills and exactly sort of what you need to start coaching, or if you're currently coaching to add to what you're doing and, and also exclusive content from these AFL, you know, stars like Mick Barlow and, and um, Paul Rose just mentioned. So, so that's sort of where it started. So I'm coming to my fourth season now. I'm currently at 
the Geelong Falcons now. So I'm a midfield coach, a de- development field coach in the 18s and then actual mid coach in the 16s program, boys program here. So been awesome. Was there last year and a great experience. So we're back there again. And as I just mentioned to you, we're, we're back into on the 30th of this month. So it's been a great experience for me. And, and, and my background sort of before that, I've been a lot of, for a number of years in the leadership and high-performing team space. So have my own business in that space, work with sort of corporates, schools, sporting organizations on doing high-performing teams and leadership and personal development for some coaching courses I did back in the day. And, and obviously before that was, you know, sport management through university. So I thought it'd been a space I've been in, but to, to do it now and the way we do, um, I think it's just really rewarding for the people we have involved and, and who tune into the podcast or are part of the membership or or a part of the you know, junior camps that we run now across the state here in Victoria. So it's been fun, man. And, and yeah, for all listeners who have coached or haven't, ha- haven't coached before, and yeah, it's a good opportunity. Yeah, you know, it might be a good opportunity to check out our stuff and help you get on your journey with percussion footy, which, which I love to do and which, you know, it's such a rewarding, rewarding yeah, thing to do to the community and the kids and adult players who, who take up the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, mate. And it, it's a good insight into, like you mentioned, you might have a passion for the game and you played the game, but then making that shift from going from athlete to now managing a group of athletes and 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 it's a long season as well with football. So there's a lot of sessions to to cover. How yep. do you what do you start with session one? How do you then blend that with you know three times a week? And then like you said, you know to make sure it's also fun and engaging for the kids. So look, when you take yourself back to two and a half years ago and you did take that plunge to to from going from sort of the consultant working with adults to now working with kids. What was your first reference to to find drills that were engaging? Did you sort of go with what you knew when you were playing or, or yeah, take us through that? And, and then more importantly, how does the membership help now coaches that are looking to solve that problem? Yeah, no, well, I started and it's probably got my coach, yeah, from when I played. It's probably a few things I pulled out. And obviously, you know, I played some you know, senior local footy, so I sort of trying a lot of fires. I think I started off with under 13s actually. And then, and then it's, and then probably the coaches at the club too. So we're lucky enough, I had a great club down here in South Barwon, who's quite a big club. Um, in, and be able to use some of the resources within that, but still was, I was scraping by, I must admit on how to, how to get involved, get it involved in doing the role really well for the players I was coaching. And, and then, yeah, so then that's when I sort of, you know, started to put together yeah, a range of videos and, and finding drills. And this sort of come about through just researching, you know, with, you know talking to all these coaches about what they've done at AFL level, VFL level, or community level, and, and putting that together really, and doing a lot, you know, a number of filming sessions and, um, you know, some, even some animated videos and so forth. So it's sort of progressed from there really. And over the last, like I said, two and a half years, we've sort of been compiling that. And, you know, and, it, and the good thing is we're constantly booking sessions to do more filming and drills and skills as well. So these things are only getting better as each month goes by, which is, which is exciting for the people who are to get involved and who are currently a part of it all. It's just, a, it's just a never ending resource is what we're trying to put together. Yeah. And you mentioned some big names you've had on the, on the podcast, like Mick Malthouse, he's clearly had you know, a long coaching career. What, what have been some big things that you've noted down that they really excel at the, the coaches that have been full-time at the elite level in terms of yeah, coaching development and, and also yeah, preparing sessions and, and programs? Yeah, the, the, I think the good ones, I always thought, I always remember my episode, particularly with Craig McRae, and this was actually when he was at Ridgefet, mind you. So it was 2020 when I interviewed him and I got off the chat and I thought, this guy's a bit special, this guy. And, and like I said, his assistant coach, he wasn't assistant, but he wasn't an AFL head coach. And, and we sort of now know the story of how well he's done at Collingwood and he's 
first 12 months, which sort of doesn't come as a surprise to me. But I think the ability, yeah, the very professional the way they go about it and just the organization, I think the ability to build relationships. And I think you hear that a lot nowadays with the younger generation coming through. And the ability to sort of explain why you're doing certain drills. They're not players today, I don't think, are going to just take orders without knowing the reason behind certain drills. And uh, and I think that's something like a Craig McCray does really well. And and that's across. And I think you saw that probably with him, you know, Paul Roos as well. And the way he does it with his team, particularly early days of Melbourne as well, taking on a young team. And, and, and just that was really important. But then just setting the standards, I think, is what the rather key things they do well is, you know, setting that new the watermark, if you like, where a club needs to be at and holding everyone accountable to that. Mm-hmm. And then having those sort of honest conversations where they can you know, give feedback to players and staff about where they're at, where they need to get to. And and I think that creates an environment that you know everyone's looking to prove on a weekly basis or a daily basis and, and then getting the best out of you know, your players. I think which those they're all top guys do really well. And, and that's why then the roles they are. And you mentioned that transition from working with teams and consulting, you know, high-performance teams, what way do you decide to start coaching grassroots football? Good question. It's something I'd always wanted to do. I really wanted to do it for a while and I wasn't sure when the perfect time was, but I sort of realized with a lot of things, there's no perfect time. And I might admit when I started, it was in the COVID interrupt 20, COVID interrupt the year 2020 and it wasn't perfect by all stretch. And I had, you know, we had, we all do have a few things going on in the background with you know, personal things, but I just think there's no perfect time to start these type of roles. I mean, you're never going to have a, a moment in life where everything lines up and you've got all the time in the world to do it. So whether you've got young kids, like you know, I do a couple of kids under three and under, and, and whether you've got you know, other jobs to do or the family commitments. But yeah, that's what sort of things is back at the whole started, even though if you're not quite, but for me, it was definitely, uh, I wanted to do it for a long time, very competitive person, pretty naturally. And uh, and then just to get out there and then where I'm now, particularly at the Falcons, I think, yeah, be able to bring all that together and be in a competitive environment with kids to try and be best they can be each day and each week. And, and then, and then you yeah, know, being a part of that and match day is, is, is awesome for me personally. But then each coach is different. So it might be juniors for you, under 11s, or obviously senior local 40, which would be great experience, more fearful and so forth. So there's a lot of different levels that you can coach at, which is, I think, a really exciting thing for people listening and people looking at coaching and you can take as far as you want, really. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, for someone that is listening, that's been thinking about it for a while, but like you said, there's many other things going on in life and this can easily, this you know, passion and hobby when you get into the adult world can get pushed down a little bit sometimes. What made you recognize that you know, it was working with elite Junior athletes, helping them make it to the AFL was going to be your passion. And for someone listening, what would be some advice in terms of finding your age group, whether it be juniors, seniors, men's, women's, how would you go about discovering that? Or is it just a matter of just trying different different levels? I think probably, yeah, a bit of trying different little levels. And just depending on how much bigger, bigger football background you've got, whether you played only a couple of years or played your whole life and you just retired at 35 years old. So I think that would probably have something to do with it. I don't think you need to rush the process. And that's the great thing about coaching. Like you can start in your, as early as you like and you can coach 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. There's no real end game to it. And mm. I think Dale Tapping had a great piece of advice when I had him on the podcast and, you know, Brisbane SLM coach. He talked about don't rush your journey. Don't rush your coaching journey. You don't need to, to you know, sprint and try and get to the AFL in three years or something, something like that. So really developing yourself. And he was a good example of that he you know, did a lot of community football for many, many years and Finally went to the AFL 
close to 50 years old and been there for the last decade plus. So, so I don't think you need a rush, which is, which is great. So if you were to start, I would, I would, there's nothing wrong with easing into it. And that's what I did. Like I said, with the 13s, so I started down quite low and you can build yourself up. There's always opportunities to go to a higher level as you do. But I think you still want to, I like to find that sort of, that nice point where you're sort of right on your comfort zone where you, you can coach that level but it's definitely not easy for you. Like, you know, you're getting stretched yeah. every day to, to learn new things and players are asking questions that you've got to try and be able to answer well or research and find out how to get those answers back to those players. So that's where I, I like to be. And that's probably where I am right right now is, you know, at that level, like I'm stretched every day, you know, learning from coaches like Paul Corrigan, who's been at Essen for a number of years before that. He's head coach down there at Geelong Falcons now and guys like that, you just get the opportunity to get around and, and, you know, and then when opportunity comes to knocking, you really got to be ready to jump at it. And like I said, it doesn't always line up perfectly with your life in terms of when it might come knocking, whether that's a senior coaching job at your local club or, you know, coaching on a 16 team, but you're taking those opportunities as, as they come and, and really embracing that sort of growth aspect of it. Yeah. That's, that's a good segue for someone that has been working at community level and now does have a passion for working at more the elite level. How did you go about landing your first job at, at Geelong Falcons? What was the sort of process there? Yeah, well, I reached out to them in the end and just said, if there's any opportunity to come up. And I actually actually applied for actually a women's coaching role that was put out a couple of 2021 and 2021 and didn't actually get it. But then they come back to me a couple of weeks later and I said, oh, we've got role, boys program development role. And sure enough, and then, oh, we're starting tomorrow, by the way. So uh, it was pretty much literally, okay, from there tomorrow, that's first day of preseason and uh, we're into it. So, so yeah, so it sort of sometimes comes around at that point. I thought I was going somewhere else for the coaching, but we end up sticking into there. So, but yeah, it doesn't, definitely doesn't have to be under 18. Yeah. At the NAB league, like that takes a lot of commitment too. Like we played in Brisbane and you know, all across the state and you're doing a lot of hours on the road and weekends and that. And so local football can be a lot more suitable families and make it more family friendly and, and, and keep it you know, not as consuming. And for the developing footballs just near, like, what are some tips and tricks that you've picked up along the way? Yeah, has sort of something you've noticed that's done at a high standard at, you know, NAB league level compared to maybe grassroots? Oh, there's definitely this structure acts to it, to the stoppages and, and how teams are getting set up, how the ground's getting set up. That's probably a, you know, a significantly higher level, I think, once you get into NAB league. If you're not set up well, you get opened up pretty quickly. You know, if, you, if your wing is sitting off the stoppage of the wrong spot or, or you're getting sucked into the ball too close or, yeah, um, yeah, your forward structure's not starting in the right positions and moving the right patterns, it, it sort of does show pretty quickly at that level. But you get really good players. Like we had Jack Clark eight last year. He played, he was our captain last year. And, you know, these guys are that good that he's going to play, I'd, I'd assume, AFL this year. So you got some high quality players in your team and across the whole competition. So they open you up pretty quick. You know, we played Sandy last year. They win the flag and, you know, they had a number of good players, Sheezel and, and Ashcroft and, and a few others. And, and yeah, so that's definitely noticeable. And then just a bit like they say when you play AFL, which obviously I haven't coached, but, you know, just the speed of it changes. So I think if you went to BFL, it would change again. And if you went to AFL, it would probably change again. Just the skills across the board, you can, you can just bust people's going to hit targets and yeah so it's just an overall skill and then probably the structure is probably the key thing is that you see the differences when you get to that level because you're picking the best 40 50 kids out of the whole region and if you think about it you know we five ten thousand kids in the region who are that age 17 18 and and you've got the final 50 so if you're sort of looking at that one percent you know the one percent of footballers who are in that team so you're sort of getting down to the the pointy end of player skill level 
And then from a business point of view, mate, what drove you to start the footy coach? And only from a business point of view, help me you know, obviously get a membership, which is helping coaches take their sort of coaching to the next level, but also starting a podcast as well. So how do you go about fitting that in? Like you mentioned with a full-time job and, and a young family. Mm. Yeah, busy, man. So I think when my little boy naps on a Sunday afternoon is when I usually edit my podcast and get it yep. through the socials and potentially even record sometimes. But then it's about a bit like this podcast during, during a lunch break, you might jump on and, and do it, do an episode or, or schedule something evenings, mornings, definitely be known to get up at 5 a.m. and do a couple hours before we start the day. So it's a real grind for all the entrepreneurs as they, they now what's doing the job. And you would know too, it, it is a real, um, constant process that you can't drop the ball like you get in the correspondence as well and and we i get a little bit of help I'm building a team slowly with time my scenes to help them do but i still do the majority of the work which uh, is definitely keeps you yeah busy especially you know this week we're into camps actually so we've had a duty camp for nine to 17 year olds in geelong here and then we're going down to gippsland i'm actually heading up tonight head down there on monday and tomorrow friday so so yeah so we sort of fit that in around work and obviously i'm taking any leave for that so yep. Yeah, it's busy, I think. So, but my structure would usually be podcasting, editing on Sunday and potentially record if I haven't recorded during the week. Newsletter once a month or a Friday morning, I'll get up and usually write that. Might be an hour or two on that. And then, yeah, doing skill sessions, filming, you know, do a fair of that through February, March. We keep the teams are back at training to add to the membership and obviously editing a heap of videos to go into the membership from cutting up some podcast episodes and that as well. That's sort of exclusive for the membership. So, so yeah, so it's sort of right to that in between morning, after work, weekends, much times. So, yep. yeah, it, it's, it's, it's busy. Yeah. And the camps, is, is that something that is for set schools? Like, is, are you going into schools or is that for anyone that can just, you know, son or daughter to go down? Yeah, anyone. Anyone. So we, we still went too long. We had a couple of kids come down from Swan Hill, mind you. So they're a four and a half hour drive. They come down for our wow. camp, which is pretty cool. I think I spent a couple of days yeah. talking in the end, but they come down and we do, we, we film all the kids as well. So we do film analysis. So we get a kick and give them pointers, give them feedback. So they sort of watch themselves. We do a whole eight range of games, but we focus really hard on their kicking technique and getting that drop part going that sort of 9, 10, 11 year old age group. A lot of them can't really do it, to be honest. Some kids are high, more advanced than others. You know, there's, there's a bit of a variance in ability, but we work hard at that. You know, we get the tennis balls out. We, 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 yeah, tackle bag, bump base, do some match simulation. I was just saying though, we had this week's camp was in about 37 degree heat. So we had to shift to an earlier start time, but the kids loved it. Yeah, they get right. out about it. And even though it is good season still, they love it. So, yeah, and we do have pretty good facilities that might have air conditioning and stuff as well. So, or it's raining indoor stuff as well so so they're really fun to do and we get help like i had some help from the falcons players this week with some gippsland power players helping us tomorrow and monday so that's fun down that way oh, so awesome. so yeah they're really good fun i think we've got some great teams so we'll continue to do those i think next holidays will probably be definitely in geelong gippsland ballarat melbourne and we might try a couple of locations yet so we'll see what happens so yeah looking forward to that that's great. And it's good that the under 18s and under 16 guys come down. Is that something that they sort of took upon themselves or did you sort of put the question out there and see who? Yeah, no, we, I, I just asked a few and nearly all, all come along. So like last winter holidays, you know, we had Ted Kalesi, who's currently now draft yeah. Geelong. So it's sort of cool to catch them before they head into the AFL system a bit, but we had young Tommy at Anastas Pauls, I think I pronounced his right name right. He jumped on and, and he's a current Falcon player. So yeah, so no, they come on board and I wish to look after them, you know, to help us out there as well. So it's a good day though. Yeah, so nine to three and, and I think it's good for their development. You know, talking to 
in Port Corrigan down at that club here and, and kids get the development to see the other side of the coin and in terms of coaching yeah. compared I mean, I think it's great for them and great for their own knowledge and how to explain in different drills and different ways to pretty, pretty craft and buying it to, you know, a 10, 11 year old, which is perfect really, because if you can explain it to a 10 year old, you usually can explain it really well and it, it, you must know what talking about really well because if you start talking, you know, too much or make it too complicated, a bit like the old Steve Jobs saying, you know, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And, and that's what it was like with that sort of age group in particular. So, you know, we were, we were talking about body positioning and, and ability, you know, to lay a bump at the ball and, and everyone doing some bit of structure stuff with, you know, 10 year olds, but yeah, it's cool to try and teach them how to set up a stoppage and stuff. And, and this, you know, might've been a bit advanced to a couple of kids, but you know, a lot of kids do love this sort of stuff. So yeah, it's really going to advance their footballing once they go back. And I think like a lot of things, you know, the better you get, you know, playing a game, whether you're 12 years old or 22 years old, you know, you sort of enjoy it more as you see that progression and, and, and skill and knowledge level goes up, it kind of becomes more enjoyable. So that's what we try and do. And, and just have a heap of fun while we're out there. And for the parents listening in of a 10, 11 year old and their son or daughter, yeah, hasn't been able to master the drop punt yet. What would be some hot tips to, yeah, be able to teach them? Yeah. So we teach technique. We probably start with the grip. So just trying to get the kids holding the ball correctly. I don't really have a footy behind me, but it's just like, you know, getting your grip, getting your fingers spread out wide, holding the side of the ball, you know, getting just real simple things, you know, getting your hips, shoulders facing where you want to go, getting that nice long arms, not dropping the ball from a high, high spot, trying to get dropped below your hip. And this is a repetition. It's not going to happen overnight for parents listening for their kids, but it's just repetition. And then try to hit that, you know, that laces of your, of your boot, nice strong foot. And, and then just practicing it. And then, like I said, we, we bring out the tennis balls, which is a really good one too. If parents listening, get a tennis ball, or just try and get your kid to kick a tennis ball. Obviously, a lot smaller. It'll show a lot more. It'll it, it fly off your foot if you don't hit it right in the middle. So it's really good. Do a practice tour to do against the brick wall at home. And we do a lot of that sort of work and different games with that. So that's that's another one you could definitely do. But yeah, it's just, it, that's what we do with the film now and give, and give the kids feedback. Because most people have a very different kick. But the good ones have sort of got some similar elements, as we sort of just explained. So but getting that kick right can take you so far. If you can't, if you can't, if you can't kick a drop hard, you go well. You gonna limit yourself in football. Let alone getting to you know, your level at the at the yeah AFL level, you got no chance unless you can kick quite really well. So uh, so it's such an important skill. I think I think at that age, at nine ten, when you can really impact it a lot. I think it's sort of harder once you get to sort of 18, 20 years old. I've even talked to some AFL coaches, and they don't spend much time on it to be honest in terms of kicking because it's sort of it's set in a way, and how much time can you spend on someone's particular kick? But I think it's a good point I saw the other day, like. Even like Tiger Woods, right, and goal, you know, it's constantly tinkering with his golf swing throughout his career. He did two or three changes, the main changes across his journey and his greatest of all time pretty much. So I think at football, you can make, you know, changes to your kicking action and constantly look to make it better. I think it can't, constantly can get better. Yeah, you know, same principles, you know, with the quarterback in, in football, they're constantly looking to you know, throw the ball better. <laughs> AFL football, you know, Aussie rules players from from juniors to seniors should be always looking to improve their kicking because it's the main and that's the one you want to really nail there, I think, from a young age. And once you've got that, you can you can really refine it and, and see if I want to take your career. Yeah. And then, yeah, for coaches listening in, when you're putting your session plans together for this age group, how much is, of it is, is structured to, to, yeah, to time and how much is it sort of flow and seeing how the athletes are responding to a drill, you know, so how much is it sort of organic and reading the room compared to, you know, structure, like a school schedule, I guess? 
risk or regarding just someone's hour training or like on a Thursday night you're talking there, Joe? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's right. I think, I think you can be pretty structured. It's an hour goes really fast and if you can get there, you know, 20, 30 minutes before it kicks off and get your cones out and drills in place, then make it seamless move. I think it's, you'd be surprised how much kids notice it, whether they're 10-year-olds or 16-year-olds. Coaches organize and put the work in and thought about what they're doing. It becomes really obvious pretty quick when you make them drill up on the spot and all will go this way. Oh, no, no, sorry. Should we go on this way? And so the more organized you can be, the better you'll be as a coach to get that respect. Because I think once you're sort of not looking prepared and not look like you're invested in them, the kids probably won't be as invested in you. So having that organization, I think you can be pretty, pretty close to, you know, by the five minutes, I think, particularly an hour, hour playing session, I think you get your, yeah, do your warm drills and then you go three or four, you know, different drills or a bit of match sim at the end or whatever you wanted to do. But uh, yeah, I think you'd be pretty structured there, I think would be my advice. And then give or take five minutes. And then if there is a drill that you're just not going well or you want to keep going there, you can just make that call in the night. But I'd say 80, 90% of the time, you'd have it pretty well structured and follow that plan. Because yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, you got 20, 25 players you look after and there's conversations and what you might do an ankle and this happens and that happens. There's a lot happening. And then to try and come up with different things on the spot gets pretty pretty hard, especially when you're trying to coach your feedback on those drills and players. So the more organized you can get, you know, the night before or or yeah, if you get an hour in the morning before work or something, you get yourself well not an hour, but fifteen, twenty minutes, usually you can knock that out and get that organized. And then, you know, talking to yourself pr- prior when you weren't coaching, what would be some challenges that you'd try and educate future coaches to to be aware of before they start coaching in terms of you mentioned, you know, constraints around yeah, it's quite a busy schedule and there's some travel involved and everything. What, what would be some good coping strategies to help be able to stay on top and, and for coaching to be sustainable, I guess, over a long period of time? Yeah, I think in terms of time, time consuming, like trying to make everything as efficient, efficient as possible. So you know, whether it's work and tying that in with your training session so you don't have to you can go straight to your session or, you know, over weekends and try and use your time where yeah, you can get organized for the game. When you have yeah the schedule to go there, so so I think just try to max it. Be really efficient with your time and where you do things. I try to find a routine probably helps with that. What works for you and and your family, but I'd say that's probably probably one of the main things. Other challenges, yeah. If, you, if and if travel's a big thing, then you maybe need to look at what what league you're in. Different leagues definitely travel different amounts, no doubt about that. So if you're playing AFL level, you go all across the country. So so I think, yeah, make sure you try to pick the right league, which you're in. And then, and then yeah, obviously getting some help through assistant coaches with you is a really big thing as well, I'd say. So if you've got some really maybe experienced parents who play a lot of football or other coaches, who, you know, want a less role, like an like assistant role, then that's really important too. And, and giving them responsibility within your team. And that goes for under 14s too, you know, it's not just talking senior footy or anything. You can get line coaches definitely for under 12s, under 14s football. So that's the you know, mids, backs and forwards coach, and then you can oversee it all. So if you get that within your club, that's ideal. But if you are the sole coach, then I think that's still fine too. I think that is lower age groups in particular. And, and that really helped you out. So, and then, you know, you can use your coaches as well to run certain drill too. So like I mentioned, line coach, but we do a lot of the coaching and then head coach sort of oversees a lot of it. So just, yeah, delegate that responsibility to across, across coaches and, and, and have that trust that they can, they can do it and help you out. And on the flip side, mate, what about some highlights over the last few years since you have got into the coaching world that you're really, you know, proud of, but also really enjoyed that sort of spring first of our, our Darwin trip was fun. That was a fun trip. Obviously my first game coaching interstate. 
So we had the whole team fly up over a weekend and it was a whirlwind trip. So we headed off Saturday morning and back Sunday night, played the wow. Northern Territory, yeah, Northern Territory Thunder on a, on a very hot Sunday. I think we kicked off, might have been nine o'clock in the morning, but it's still 30, you know, plus degrees and the humidity was through the roof. So poor old players working hard and like, coaching was working hard, but the players must have been extremely hard and came away with a win. So that was really exciting. And just, yeah, I think that was probably one of the main highlights, but uh, podcasts, it's always fun to talk to different coaches and, and uh, yeah, I think it was, it, it was all an earlier days one. So I think when I had Paul Ruse, I was always cool. I know you've had him on the show recently too, but he was always a sort of a coach I admire from afar from many years ago when I was coaching and, and to have him on my own show was always, always a bit of a highlight, I thought, and uh, we've had a number of great people. So, so yeah, some of those things probably. And then, you know, just, just running the camps for these, for these kids is always, always a thrill. So. Yeah, do, doing that. And then, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Like I said, you know, um, what am I, 34, 35 next month. So I'll be looking forward to, you know, as I said, I'm hoping this, for me personally, hoping this to do this for many, many years. And so it's cool, exciting for our journey, just developing. Like I said, I constantly want to grow. I'm very, um, very competitive person. So looking to do that for myself, but it's just, it's fun watching everyone else grow as well in their own football coaching journeys and that so so yeah hopefully over the coming years we can just keep keep chipping away and, and doing a good job and, and having some fun and, and and hopefully everyone enjoys it and i'll have some great guests hopefully and keep that going absolutely mate yeah, moving into sort of the personal side of the the podcast in your work life what are your pet peeves what annoys you from a professional point of view administration for me sometimes is just a bit of a hard work for me so pet peeves but i think uh, i'm probably gonna have to definitely invest in vas or something to do some admin stuff for me as I get a bit over that sometimes, but I try to think, I'm usually pretty, pretty on time for things too, I'd say, and pretty organized. Mm-hmm. So I guess people wait in that, especially like you said, we've got pretty busy schedules. So but I must admit when I do the podcast, for instance, nearly everyone's on time, but there's a lot of people that are hard to sort of organize too. So that's always, always takes a lot of work too. So, um, yeah, I'm like that. I've got some exactly people. Sure. And what about favorite way to spend your day off? Well, I'm riding my cycling actually at the moment. I'm loving my cycling and I didn't cycle this morning because I was actually woke up, I think I've overdone it a bit. So I'm riding the Cadell Evans ride next weekend. So like I, I'm right. a bigger guy, obviously. So I'm about 96 kilos, which doesn't really suit the, the hills out here at Geelong and series and that, but, but I love it. I love the cycling. It's um, It's so we're out and I did my, did my hundred K ride last weekend training. So it's been really good. That's been it. Fun. So that's fun. And then. Yeah. Get a coffee sometimes when you're out there. That's that's really good. I really enjoy that. But then I'm a mad, yeah, I think probably ideal days watching a bit of football as well, whether it be obviously AFL, but love the American football too. Okay. So man, my Dallas Cowboys are still ticking away in the playoffs. So they had a big win. So I was pretty stoked with that. So um watching a bit of them. And then and they got the two little boys I've got as well. So we yeah, look, really enjoy doing some family stuff as well, which I'm obviously really big on. So so yeah, so between those, that's probably about it. Sport and doing some Preferential sport and, and, and then there was a family time. It was all pretty good for me on a good day off. And did you get the tennis ball out with the three year old? Funny enough, I haven't really, I haven't really <laughs> got them out at all. I haven't really talked to them too much about football yet. So they just always hear that I'm out doing football at some point. So, but, but not too much yet. I think the older ones, he's more interested in trucks and diggers and, and boys and then more at this stage. Yeah. So the little yeah. ones look a bit more bit more like he's into the ball sports like he's taking a bit more interest and the old one's definitely more the machinery is winning by a long long way at this stage so if anyone knows the local area we, we're a frequent driver take a drive down this bar on heads road here but all the they're doing a heap of road works and he thinks it's absolute christmas when he goes down there and 
they use all the all the bobcats and and graders and trucks and all that sorts of stuff. So that's pretty much where those boys are at. Awesome. Well, yeah, you've achieved a lot over the last couple of years, mate. What's on the horizon for for twenty three? I imagine there's some big plans, both for guests on the podcast, but also with the membership. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so those three will definitely keep going. Probably the other big one we're going to do, we'll do a, we looked at last year, but we ended up doing it. But this year we'll go like a coach's camp. So yeah. post-season, so we're a bit like a, a social camp of coaches. And, you know, your players go on their footy trips, but this is definitely not a footy trip. But it's more of a educational camp for coaches. So we'll be doing that. Probably later this year, just trying to work out our location and stage, whether it's in Queensland, Australia, or whether we go overseas to, you know, Bali or something like that, or potentially Hawaii or something. I'm not sure yet, but we're just, we're going to put that out there and then see, see what sort of interest we get in that. But I think there'll be a great opportunity coaches sort of unwind and reflect on their past season and then get them all set up for the upcoming season. And this might be more for the senior coaches and the coaches who really want to take their coaching to the next level. But yeah, that's what we're trying to do, I think. To do that, add that to our program, which would be cool and really fun. So that's probably one of the one of the main extra projects we we'll have this year. But outside of that, everything else will just keep ticking on. So we should be good. And and like I said, it'll be football season. It'll be in full swing in a couple of months, and and then it's all happening. So so yeah, it's, it's a cool time of year football. I think coming into sort of February and getting sharpened up for the season to begin. And you'll have two like uh, with the under 16s and 18s. Have you got a two game days or roles or yeah. So it, that, a lot of my back-to-back games, so I did it last year too. So sort of coached the under 16 and then quickly jumped pretty much to the coach's box for the next game. And and then my case, sort of my role more, will be watching opposition and how the structure's up and just give that feedback to the mid-coach in the 18s program. So yeah, it's pretty it's pretty full on, I must admit. But the 16s, for those who don't know, it's only about three or four games. So it's, it's just done by the end of April. Thing. Right. The futures program of the, the future called NAB League, but I think it's getting updated soon. But then the under 18 competition. So, yeah, it's a crazy period, as I mentioned to you before. It's it's full on doing both those, but it's 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 really good. And those 16 seen them come through and what you got coming into your program the following season is cool to see. So, really beneficial, I think, for the players, but also the coaches. And then I help relay that information up to 18s coaches and head coach about what's coming through and looking at that and getting them developed as best as possible. and give them every opportunity to reach the goals thereafter. So, so that's what we're about. That's awesome, mate. Yeah, well, thank you so much for, for jumping on and sharing with us insights into what it takes to be a football coach. Like you mentioned, the most important thing is just start and, and work it out as you go. And, and it's great that you've created a resource for coaches that, you know, like you said, didn't have the luxury maybe of being full-time in the city to be able to have a database to lean on and, and a community. Sounds like it's you know, super helpful for, for coaches. So for those that are interested, parents and coaches or even athletes that want to get a bit more information about the footy coach, where's the best place to get in contact, mate? Yeah, just jump onto thefootycoach.com.au. Check all the stuff out there. There's contact details there as well. Grab our free newsletter, check our podcast. There's always good spots to start and then and then we can go from there. But yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. We're on social media, of course, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. So jump on there and, and don't be afraid to say hello and, and we'll hopefully be able to help you on your coaching journey or for the young players and parents with young kids hopefully help you on your, your playing journey fantastic awesome thank you so much and and thank you for everyone that's tuned in to our PLP live chat show our next one is with Vern Gambetta that'll be Thursday the 26th of January at 9am I'll see you guys then cheers Jock cheers thank you if you enjoyed this episode and want even more our academy is for you The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as Q&A segment, 
aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So. I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my my question to you was: you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah, certainly yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um yeah. so that's that's been huge um i think i wish back then when i was younger i asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things mm. i think i was a bit single-minded back then and um you know i thought there was one way of doing things and um if i kind of didn't have that fear of you know asking a silly question or fear of judgment it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker um and yeah. and yeah like just yeah being open to sort of different things um because you never know what you might find it's just yeah there's so many people like great people out there knowledgeable people to learn off and there's plenty more where that came from 
If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.